What's up? You guys sound good. You feeling good? My gosh, I don't know how you're doing at the other campuses, but Littleton is fired up today. How many of you have got some faith for the Broncos? Oh, come on. I heard some boos. Guys, we've got a prayer room right over here to the side. You can be healed of that before you leave. Let's go, Broncos. Hey, we're so glad that you're with us today. How many of you, this is your first time, you're checking this place out? Oh, come on. Welcome, church. Welcome, our friends. Hey, no matter where you're visiting us from, we're so glad that you're with us. And let me just say this, uh, because you're going to find out real quick anyways, we're a bunch of messed up, imperfect people, not even close to perfect, don't even have the energy to pretend that we are people, but we love to get together every week and pursue a perfect God and praise a perfect God and be in the presence of a perfect God and allow him to speak into our lives. And so what that means for you is, is no matter what you've been through, no matter where you come from. No matter what you're feeling, no matter how life is going right now, no matter how close to God you feel or how far away from God you think, no matter what you think of your own self or your own life or your own situation, I want you to know from the bottom of our hearts, we're so glad you're here and we want you to know that in this place we're going to do our very best to make sure that you are loved and welcomed and valued and accepted and so welcome home. We're glad you're here. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. If you're visiting, over the next 10 minutes, you're going to go, why on earth did I come here? (laughs) My hope is by the time you leave, you go, that's why. Uh, That's been my prayer for you, that God would speak to you about your life exactly where you're at for every single one of us. Before I get into today's talk, um, I want to cover some family business. That's why I say visitors for about 10, you might want to check Instagram. I need to cover some family business. A lot of you already know what it is because word travels fast, but those of you who don't, I want to give you a Cliff Notes version of what uh, one of our campuses, who it really affects, already heard last week. Um, And I'll just rip the Band-Aid right off, and then I'll start to try and explain what's going on. Um, If you are... uh, If you're at the Evergreen campus, you already know, obviously, Um, but this weekend will be the last weekend of, at least for now, for uh, Red Rocks Church Evergreen location. And um, by the sound of the oohs and ahs I just heard, a bunch of you hadn't heard yet. It absolutely breaks my heart to say this. Um, Sometimes when I come to you and say, hey, we're going to have a family talk, Most of the time, I would say, we get to clap and cheer and yell, and and it's exciting and it's good, right? Um, A couple weeks ago, I got to share some news with you, if you were here, that that just in the last six months, over 2,000 people have found Jesus at one of our services. I mean, that's amazing. Just this summer, you can clap for that. Just this summer... Over 900 people were baptized in one weekend and went public with their faith. What we're experiencing as a church family, it's not because of us. Make no mistake about that. It's not because we as a church family have ever earned or deserved that kind of experience through God. But here's what I know is we wouldn't be a real family if all we ever did was talk about the good stuff and never about the tough stuff. And so I feel like uh, you deserve to know, even though it's a tough conversation. 
And the temptation for us, especially I think as church leaders, is when tough things happen, figure out a way to spin it so it doesn't sound quite as bad. And I just feel like you deserve better than that. So I'm not going to spin it. And so I want to try and share what's going on. A friend of mine from the Evergreen campus actually called me this week, and um, he's one of those people that has every right to send in an email. He has every right to, to, to speak his mind about what he thinks because from, from the jump, he has been there almost every single week, almost every single service, served like crazy, tithed at that location. He has been the church. He has been part of the family. He has every right to speak his mind. And he called me up and he said, bro, what's going on? And then he said this, and this is what a lot of people have been wondering because I know the word has gotten out. What's the real story? That's what he said. What's the real story? Because it seems fast and it doesn't seem right and it doesn't make sense. And I know what he was saying is every now and then I've heard some horror stories about churches and every now and then there's this scandalous things that go on behind the scenes. What's the scandal? That's what he was asking. And I'm going to tell you the same thing I told my friend. I said, here's what you need to know right up top. There is no scandal. Nobody's sleeping with anybody. Nobody's cheated on their wife. Nobody stole money. There's no moral failure. Like there's no juicy news. There is no scandal. Not even close. He said, well, then what's up? And I said, man, I'll, I'll tell you some of the hurdles, some of the challenges that have caused us to come to this decision. And I said, first, man, you know, you know who we are as a church family. We exist to make heaven more crowded. We're not a Christian country club. We're a hospital for sinners, and we're going to be laser-focused on reaching lost people, and we're going to make heaven more crowded by being a place that welcomes home the prodigal. You know that. And I said, here's what it takes for that to happen at any location. None of that happens by wishful thinking or good intentions. No matter what the location, I said, the only way that happens is if we, the people who meet in the location, decide I'm going to be there consistently and I'm going to bring people with me. And I said, bro, for whatever reason, we haven't been able to, to help that church be the church in that capacity. We just haven't. And because of that, the attendance is just dwindled, 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 dwindled in a way that we've just never experienced before at any location. And I haven't figured out how to crack the code. And I said, for whatever reason, we haven't been able to, to help this particular one of our locations be the church in, in the area of finances. And let me just make this very clear. There's a core group of you, and you know who you are, that, that have been so faithful to that evergreen campus, and you have served, and you have tithed, and you have sold out. And I just want to say thank you so much. And yeah, let's, can we all say thank you? And let me just say this, your serving and your giving is not in vain. You're what's allowed us to have a location there for two years. And there's a lot of people that are going to be in heaven because of what you did. So make no mistake about it, it wasn't in vain. But on the grand scheme of things, the church as a whole, we weren't able to, to help the church be the church in that area. And because we couldn't, that particular location is on pace to lose $300,000 this year. And we feel like it's our job to steward the entire church, not just a location. We have to be careful. That alone wouldn't cause us to shut it down. We'd figure that out. It's just a hurdle. We haven't been able to lead 
and help the church be the church in the area of volunteering. And, and, and I haven't figured out how to crack the code. And the truth is, is I blame myself. It is not on the Evergreen leadership team. This on me. But we haven't been able to get enough people to get involved, to greet the guests when they come, to take care of the guests when they come, to run the kids' areas. And so just to keep the kids' areas going, oftentimes we have to bring people from down the hill, up the hill. We just haven't been able to get it done. And, and that's a hurdle. And it's not a hurdle we're shutting the church down over, but it's a hurdle. And then on top of that, the, the rent at the school just more than doubled. We were paying 4,000 something, now it's 10,000 something, and they can kick us out in any weekend with a 24 hour notice. It's a hurdle. And we just lost our youth building because the community needed it for, for a different event, and so we don't have a youth building anymore. It's a hurdle. And so after a whole lot of prayer and a whole lot of seeking outside wisdom and outside counsel and, and a whole lot of leadership meetings, we started to go, I think all the vital signs are pointing towards something that we don't even want to talk about. And I know for some of you, you might go, you know what? This just feels fast. It feels fast. And I get that because here's the thing. Whenever you hear an announcement, no matter when you hear it, it's going to feel fast. Right? The truth is this, this wasn't made fast. A lot of tears behind the scenes over the last year. A lot of meetings, a lot of planning, a lot of praying. And the truth is, even at the Evergreen location, the leadership there over six months ago uh, said, hey, hey, church, let's meet. Let's have a family talk. And then you guys at Evergreen, if you were there, you'll remember it. And the leadership sat down with the whole community and said, hey, if this is your family, like, we want to be here long term, but it's not working. If we want to keep this plane flying, if we want to be here long term, like, we as a family, we got to step up. And we got to be here consistently and we got to start bringing people and we got to start serving and we got to start giving. And the truth is we are hoping that that would like light a fire. It just hasn't. And everything has continued to decline. And so I find myself telling the entire church today that something that just absolutely breaks my heart. That we're going we're gonna, to, at least for now, shut down the evergreen location and, and, and I just want to say a few things as I close. Number one, and the only reason I do this is because we've gotten a lot of emails and a lot of questions this week saying we don't feel like we got enough information. And so that's why I felt like, you know what, you deserve it. I'm not going to spin it. Let's be family. Let's be real. First, I want to say I'm sorry. It's my fault. It's my fault. And... Uh, we didn't go up there with the intention of one day saying, we're going to come back. And so at the end of the day, here's what I promise you. I can't promise you perfect leadership. Can't promise you that we'll always get it right. I can promise you we're going to keep trying. I can promise you we're going to keep opening churches in different locations. I can promise you we're going to stay laser focused on our mission of making heaven more crowded. But especially to those of you at Evergreen today, I'm sorry. I know some of you are hurt, and I, some, I know some of you are angry, and I get it, and, and I accept it. So I'm sorry. I want to say thank you one more time because there is a core group of you that have went in heart and soul up there, and it's been my honor to partner with you. 
My hope is if you're at that campus that we see you next week at a different location where we can welcome you with open arms and get you plugged in immediately. But I also know this, you live in the promised land for a reason. And you may not want to come down here with us commoners. <laughs> and if that's the case, I get it. And here's my challenge to you. Go find a church that you can fall in love with and go jump in heart and soul and go build the kingdom. We're not trying to build this church. We're trying to build the church. We're not trying to build our kingdom. We're trying to build his kingdom. So let's do that together, even if it's at different addresses. An Evergreen Campus, if you're watching this video on Sunday morning, obviously that means I'm not with you. And if I'm not with you, it's because I'll be in the hospital with my son. And you'll understand why here in just a second. And so if that's the case, know this. I love you and I'm praying for you. And, and I hope you do the same for us. Church, let's pray. God, I thank you for this church family. It's easy to say thank you in the good times. It's harder to say thank you in the tough times. I'm saying thank you in the tough times. I know you're good. I know you're in charge. And I know you have a plan for every single one of us and this church family. And we trust you with our lives. And it's our honor to dedicate them to you. God, speak to us now through your word. We need it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hit your neighbor. Say, let's pivot. I coach my sons in basketball. I teach the pivot. Sometimes you got to pivot. I was supposed to be talking to you today about this idea of can we trust the Bible? Because I told you last week that I believe we're called to live fearless lives because God said I didn't give you a spirit of fear. You're not called to live fearful. You're called to live fearless. I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And we crave a fearless life. We crave pursuing our purpose fearlessly. And I told you last week that I believe fearless is possible when God's word is, nine of you remembered it, but I'll take it, <laughs> foundational. Fearless is possible when God's word is foundational. And I told you, and I believe it with all my heart, that we can stand on the word of God even in the tough times. And I told you this week we were going to do a little bit of, a little, little, little classroom work and a little, let's talk about how we know we can trust the Bible. And the truth is, at about 1.30 a.m. last night in an ICU room with my son, I realized in my soul, I just can't. I just can't go there right now. There's stuff going on with the church. I got some stuff going on with my family. I got something on my heart that I believe God wants us to hear. And what I can't do today is go, let's talk about the Hittite nation and the archaeological impacts. I just can't do it today. So I'm going to try to get to that, but I can't do it today. So if you came just for that, I guess the, the lesson is we can trust the Bible. You just can't trust me. So um, last night I started asking this question. Something happened in our family and we got rocked. And I started asking this question, how do I stand on God's promise that tells me I don't have to be afraid while I'm feeling afraid. Because I've been pretty bold with you over the last couple weeks about our theme verse. You can go ahead and put that theme verse up. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I've told you we can stand on that. And I believe it. But last night at about 1.30 in the morning, I started asking, God, how do I stand on a promise that says I don't have to be afraid while I'm afraid? Because, see, I believe that verse. God gave that verse to Joshua, and he's giving it to us today. And he gave it to Joshua because he was about to call Joshua to do the impossible. I want you to lead the nation of Israel somewhere around 1 to 2 million people across the Jordan River at flood season. Can't do it. Can't be done. It's impossible. And then he says, don't be afraid. And we've talked about this. He wasn't forbidding him from feeling emotions. He was telling him, don't walk away from this opportunity. Don't let it stop you. You can feel afraid, but you can also walk forward in faith at the same time. And so last night I'm going, okay, God, how do I stand on that promise that I don't have to be afraid while I feel really afraid? Last night we were getting ready to go to my nine-year-old's football game. And uh, my wife said, babe, will you, will you go look at Ethan? He looks yellow. So I went down in the basement and I looked at Ethan and I was like, man, you're right. And she said, I think I want to take him to children's. See, my son just got back from a missions trip in Africa with our youth group. And he's been home for about 10 or 11 days and he's been fine. But all of a sudden, a couple of days ago, he started puking pretty violently and he's been sick for a couple days, and then he was real yellow last night. And so, honestly, we feel like helicopter parents all the time. And, and we're like, we don't need to take him to the hospital, do we? And I'm always like, yeah, I do. I just do. Like, and, and, you know, I grew up in an era where it was like, like, get well or die, but we're not going to the hospital, kid. You know what I mean? Like, that was just kind of, I didn't say that, but that was just how it felt. And... Uh, so we took him to the, Jill, Jill took him to the hospital, and the truth is we didn't think we needed to, but it's like just peace of mind kind of thing. And she took him to Children's in Aurora because we, we had, uh, we actually had a, a little bit of some concerns last time we, we went to Africa with uh, Ethan. And so we already kind of knew, like, let's just go to the one in Aurora. So I went to Ashton's football game, and Jill took Ethan to Children's. And, and honestly, like, life's great. Like, I'm, I'm posting videos last night on my Insta story about Ashton completing his first pass in preseason because a nine-year-old football team completing a pass play is about as likely as the parting of the Red Sea. And so when you see it, you just post it. And so I did. And then, and then you know, of course, me and Jill are talking throughout the thing, like throughout the game and how you doing? Oh, I was taking some tests. I'm sure everything's fine. La, 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 la. After the game, Ashton comes up to me. He's like, Dad, did you see my pass? I'm like, oh, yeah. He said, Dad, did you see my touchdown? I said, of course I did. He looked at me and he goes, you know what that deserves? Sonic. <laughs> and I said, I'll do you one better. The place that God himself created, Dairy Queen. And at about 8 p.m. last night, I'm literally standing in Dairy Queen taking pictures of the Blizzard menu and texting them to Chad. That's what I was doing. Like, life's good. <laughs> about 8.30, we got home, and I'm talking to my wife on the phone, and she's like, yeah, we're so tired. We've been here for so long. It's taken so long to do these tests. She's like, truthfully, I think they're about to send us home. I'm like, great. I can't wait to see you. I love you. And then all of a sudden, I start hearing a bunch of commotion in the background. 
I start hearing a bunch of beeps in the background. And I hear my wife going, hey, hey, wait, 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 what, what, what are you doing? What is happening? I don't understand. And all of a sudden her voice changes. She said, Sean, I think you need to get up here. And so I get in my car and I race to a children's hospital in Aurora. And by the time I get into the ER, there's like five doctors around my son. And they're all walking real fast and they're talking real fast. And he's got IVs in both arms. And one of the IVs has like what looks like a power strip on it. Like it's an IV plug and then there's four IVs above it. And every one of them, they're putting medicines in. And they're like, we don't know what's going on. We're treating them for everything. And his red blood cell count was low and his white blood count blood cell count was low and his platelets were low and his blood pressure, and this is what got everybody scared, all of a sudden plummeted and he went into something called septic shock. And I didn't even know what that was till last night. And apparently it's not good. People die from this. And all of a sudden they're running around and they're getting real hurried and I hear him go, get a bed in the ICU, get a bed in the ICU. I'm like, wait, what? Like this was just a helicopter parent checkup. And I'm texting my best friends, and I'm like, guys, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I'm kind of scared. Would you pray for my son? And one of the nurses comes up to me, and she said, she said, it's okay, but it's very serious, and we have to do something now, and we have to figure out what's wrong with him now. And she said, if you'd have went to any other children's, because of this septic shock, we would have helicoptered him to this hospital because we're the only one with an infectious disease ward. we got to get this figured out. And so we've been in the ICU ever since. And I just left there to come preach. And I'm going to go back to the hospital when I'm done. But last night I'm sitting in my car and I'm crying. I'm like, God, I don't understand. How, how am I supposed to stand on a promise that says I don't have to be afraid while I feel afraid? And I felt like God dropped some thoughts in my head. He's like, what's that verse? I said, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous and don't be afraid and don't be discouraged and be, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I felt like he dropped this thought in my head. How's it end? The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I felt like he told me, he said, that's how you stand. That's how you stand on my promises when you feel afraid. You just, you just remind yourself I'm with you. And when I'm with you, that means I got you. You don't have to understand how it's going to work out. You don't have to understand what's coming next. You don't have to understand what's around the corner. You don't have to have all the answers. All you have to know to stand is I'm with you, and that means I got you. That's all you need. And I started thinking about this whole series and about Joshua. And see, Joshua... He had to be going through the same thing. And I've been asking you to read, read the story over and over again. And if you have, you know that like, it didn't work out the way they thought. And I think I'm going to get into that later, but you can't trust me. So I don't know what I'm going to talk about later. <laughs> but like it wasn't working out. And they're taking crazy steps of faith. And they're stepping into the impossible. And I started to think like, like what was that like for Joshua? Because think about this. We talked about this week one. He got put into leadership because Moses died. And now his very first act as the leader of the entire nation is A, let's cross the river. That's impossible to do. Like everybody, a whole nation's looking at him going, where are you going to lead us? And how are you going to lead us? And what are you going to do now? And how is this going to play out? And think about this. The very first thing he says as a leader is, I'm going to put your children's lives at risk. 
and I'm going to put your children's lives at risk, and I'm going to put your mom's life at risk, and I'm going to put your dad's life at risk, and I'm going to ask you to do something that can't be done. That's the first thing he does as a leader. You want to talk about pressure, right? Sorry, I'm snotty up here. (laughs) All he had to go off of was this promise that God gave him. You don't have to be afraid and you don't have to be discouraged because I'm with you and I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you and I'll never give up on you. So be strong and courageous. Then he turns around and says, and because you know I'm with you, you can be strong and very courageous. That's what he told Joshua. You don't have to know how this is going to play out. You don't have to know how this is going to work. You don't have to know what's going to happen next. All you need to do, if you're going to stand on my word, if you're going to make it your foundation so you can walk forward fearlessly, sometimes you're going to have to do it afraid. And if you want to stand on my foundation, even when you're feeling afraid, then you just got to remind yourself that your only job is to remind yourself God's with me, which means God's got me. And when you do that, you can stand on the foundation even when you feel afraid. And I'm telling you, church, I talked to someone in our church family over the last couple months that embodies this. Girl in our church family named Lindsay. And uh, an amazing girl. And Lindsay was diagnosed with cancer. And recently, they thought they got it. Came back. So about... A month and a half ago, two months ago, I was on the phone with Lindsay, and I was like, Lindsay, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm just, I'm so sorry. And she's like, you don't have to, don't be sorry for me. She goes, God knew what he was doing the whole time. I said, what do you mean? She said, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I'm going to heaven either way. She said, see, somebody invited me to a Red Rocks Church baptism service, and of course I didn't want to go. And then when I got there, I was mad I was there. And then I heard all these stories, and God used someone else's story to speak to me about my story, and he changed my life. And I gave my life to God, and she goes, Sean, you remember, you baptized me. And I was like, I know. She's like, then I went public with my faith and I got baptized and it's been crazy ever since. And no matter how bad this plays out or how good this works out, at some point, I'm going to heaven. She goes, you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to be sorry for me. She goes, I'm not afraid because God's with me. So she told me, I'm not afraid because God's with me. And I said, Lindsay, what can I do then for you? You know I'm going to be praying for you. You know I'm praying for your family. You know I'm praying for your sister. You know I'm praying for your husband. You know I'm praying for your whole family. What can I do? She said, well, you know I moved to Colorado Springs. She said, you can come down here and film my story and share it with everybody. And I said, are you sure? Like, this is a crazy time for you. And this is a hard time for you. And she said, come film my story and share it with everybody. (laughs) I said, yes, ma'am. So Red Rocks Church, I'd like you to meet Lindsay. I reconnected with a girl who I went to high school with. And um, so she showed me the video of At The Square, um, at Heritage Square. And I just said, 
those are your pastors? I got to check out this church. Walking in those doors was like, wow, this is what I have been looking for. And so I started going by myself. And six months later, I decided to be baptized and invited family and friends. It was so great, you know, that I once was lost and now I'm found. Like, that's the feeling that I had. So I got really involved. I joined a women's life group. I volunteered in Kids Rock and I, you know, did the sports and um, then led a co-ed life group. And so it just, you know, really became home. It was like what I was looking for that I didn't have. And then I realized that I needed to work on my relationship um, with God first. So I decided to take a year dating sabbatical, which ended up turning into almost three years because what ended up happening is, is that I realized what God's best looks like. And so I was really picky, which I think you should be if you're looking for somebody to share your whole life with. Two weeks later, I meet this six foot six tall, very handsome man named James. And we, you know, started dating. And I was at that point confident enough that our first date, I asked, do you love Jesus? Because he's my number one and I'm looking for my number two. And then I was scheduled to go on a mission trip to Haiti. And so I was about a month and a half into us dating. Right before I left for that trip, I found a lump. And so, you know, I'm going out of the country. I schedule an appointment for when I get back. And I went to the doctor when I got back and they sent me for testing. And uh, then I got the call that I had breast cancer. And this was in April of 2016. And so I remember telling him and I said, you are free to go. You do not have to go through this. I do, you know, like no condemnation you can go. Um, and he actually got upset. Um, and he's like, God finally directed me to the person that I am supposed to spend my life with. I'm not going anywhere. November, I said, I want to do something on my bucket list, um, which I always wanted to see the Northern Lights. So we went to Iceland in February. And uh, so we're on a boat under the Northern Lights and James proposed. And then I got like sick. I was felt sick to my stomach. I was having trouble eating. And so after like a week and a half, James took me to the ER and they did a CAT scan of my abdomen. The door was open to the room and the nurse's station uh, was right there. And the doctor answered a call and he said, is this about the abdomen? And he said, are those Mets? and my heart just dropped. And then he said, oh God, I have to go tell her she's 38. Um, so I knew what that meant. And he walked into the room and I just said, I heard you. So how bad is it? And uh, so he showed me the CAT scan and my cancer was back. And it was in my bones my spine, my pelvis, um, it's in my lungs, in the bottom of my lungs and in my lymphatic system. And honestly, the fact that I'm alive right now is like a miracle. You know, when I went into the hospital, they didn't think I would make it three days. 
I know God answers prayers and I know that like he is with me every step of the way, you know, like in those times when you're gonna go into procedure and it's scary and it's just you, you know, your husband can't go with you, your family can't go with you. I got God, you know, like, um, and that peace beyond all understanding is so true. Life is unpredictable, but God walks before us. He knows everything. So I can either trust that he's got me or I can like wildly flail to, you know, try to get through this on my own and, you know, the woe is me and all of that, which isn't helpful. You get stuck in that darkness. And I'd rather have light, you know? Um, if I only have a few days, why not make the most of that, you know? I would pray, like, use me through this. You know, I believe that you are gonna use me through this. And so, let more people come to know him. I am very vocal about my faith and what gets me through day to day. And people see that, you know? And then they're like, oh, well, I want what she has, you know? And I just say, it's Jesus, it's not me. Lindsay's sister, Jamie, texted me. <coughs> so bad with time. Um, about a week ago, four or five days ago, and said, hey, I just want to let you know, Lindsay is going to go into hospice. And um, they're saying, you know, weeks, maybe months, just wanted you to know. I said, when can I come visit? She said, well, probably not today, if I remember our conversation right, but, but you know, let me know soon. Great. And then on this past Wednesday, Jamie texted me and she said, uh, things have changed. And the doctors are now saying like hours or days. And so I got in my car and I drove to Colorado Springs and I, and I went to see Lindsay, and I had the privilege of getting to just hang out with her in her room, and, and, and we held hands, and uh, I told her three things. I said, you look beautiful. I said, I'm so proud of you. And, and I said, I promise you I'll share your story. And uh, then as I was leaving, I had another talk with Jamie, her sister. And I said, Jamie, I, I've, been, I've been watching some of the footage that the guys filmed from Lindsay's story. And it's crazy to me how she's always talking about, like, I got God, I don't have to be afraid. And she goes, oh, Sean, that's what she told everybody. Every doctor, every nurse, every family member, everybody. I don't have to be afraid. I got God. I don't have to be afraid. He's got me. And a few hours later, I got a text from Jamie's husband, James, and he said, I just wanted you to know that Lindsay passed away. And when I was talking with Jamie, it was interesting because 
she's like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to go on. I don't know how I'm going to make it some days. And I told her, I said, you know what you need to do on those really hard days? You need to steal some faith from Lindsay. You need to take some of her joy. You need to take some of her faith. You need to tell yourself the same thing she would tell you if she was still with you, which is you don't have to be afraid. God's got you. And church, I believe Lindsay wanted me to share two things with us. Number one, she wanted me to make sure that every single one of you know that Jesus Christ is the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven. And he died on a cross to pay the price for your sins. And if you embrace that today, if you say, you know what? I can feel it in my heart. God's drawing me. He's giving me the faith to believe it. I know it's true. I want it. I want to ask for, I want to repent of my sins. I want to, I want to confess he's my Lord. I want to follow Jesus. Like I can't understand, I can't explain it. I don't understand it, but I can feel it in my heart. He's drawing me to that decision. You make that decision according to the word of God. You are saved for all of eternity. And his spirit begins to live inside of you in the here and now. And it gives you the ability to go through things you never thought you could go through. But the best part is heaven forever in the presence of God. And Lindsay wanted me to make sure that you know that's available to you today. And Lindsay wanted me to make sure that you know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter how scary it feels, no matter how confusing it seems, no matter how impossible it looks, no matter how lonely it is right now, you don't have to be afraid, church, because the creator of the universe has promised, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll never give up on you, and I am with you. At every location, would you guys stand up and let's pray. God, I thank you that you are with us right now in this moment. I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. Even when we don't know what that is. I want to pray a specific prayer for every single person in Evergreen Campus. God, that you would give them a peace that passes all understanding that you would encourage them today, that you would lift their heads and lift their shoulders and build their faith, that this is not the end. This uh, Tough times are often not the end, but often the beginning of the best parts of our story. And I pray that you would be with them today and remind them of that. I pray, God, that prayer for every single one of us that is watching or listening to this, no matter where we're at, that you would remind us that suffering is only for a while. And oftentimes when we're willing to just be honest and raw and real and bring our lives to you in the middle of it, it's not the end of our story, it's the beginning of the best parts of our story. And so God, I pray for those who are hurting. In fact, with everyone's eyes closed and no one looking around, let me ask a couple questions. The first one is this. Today you would just say, you know what? I'm in it. I'm going through it. I'm hurting. I need God to be with me. I need to be reminded that he's with me. I need to feel and experience his presence. If that's you at every location, just raise your hand. I just want to say a prayer for you. I'm with you today. 
Second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but you can feel it. You just know it like this is my moment. This is my moment. I feel him drawing me near. I don't know how this is going to play out, but today you go, God, if you're real, I want to experience you. I want to confess my sins, make you the Lord of my life. I want to follow Jesus. I'm not going to be perfect, but here I go. I know this is my moment to make that decision. If that's you, raise your hand right now, and I'm going to say a prayer for you. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Raise them high, praise God, yes. Praise God, praise God, praise God. God, you knew exactly why you brought us here. Because you know everything we've been through, but way more important, you know where you want to take us. So God, I pray for peace in the middle of the storm. I pray for peace when there's no understanding right now. I pray for peace when life hurts right now. I pray for peace and courage and strength when things don't make sense and emotions go crazy and it feels impossible. I pray for peace. And God, I thank you for all the people that just raised their hand and said they want to start a brand new relationship with you. I thank you that heaven's being made crowded right now. And I pray that as we begin to worship you with music, that they would sense your presence in such a real way. We need you, God. We're broken. And so now we enter worship and we just say, come, dwell amongst us, speak to us, build us up, encourage us, heal us, and remind us that you're with us through every single thing we go through in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Church, let's worship.